Hello, welcome to the Hello Judges podcast, sponsored by Tales of Harrogate. I'm Will Woodhouse-Banks and I love coffee competitions, both competing in them and talking about them. This episode is also sponsored by Raw Material. Raw Material is a social enterprise coffee importer that maximises producer profits through the coffee you buy. You can check them out on rawmaterial.coffee. My guest this week is Matt North. Matt has been in the competition scene for a long time and is an experienced international head judge. I really enjoyed my chat with Matt and I hope you do too. So please stir three times to the bottom of the cup and please enjoy. And also I've never done a podcast before so we'll just have a bit of a chat i think i, I think fun. that's it like that is the best ones isn't it i mean leave this leave all this bit in this is good this is good preamble we love it uh yeah this is this is what it is and you have a little natter and then edit it and make me sound stupid yeah that's the <laughs> aim of the game right <laughs> nice also you... um i should make it clear i'm not sat in a real supermarket and i only endorse some of the products behind me uh, I am sat in a real basement uh, and do sell <laughs> many of the products on that shelf there behind me. Excellent. Call me for green, yeah, kids. So, Matt North, sales, logistics, and quality control at Raw Material. Is that correct? Uh, it, yeah, everything. A bit of everything. Yeah, we're, uh, we're, pretty, we're still pretty small. So, any role within any territory invariably involves a little bit of everything. So, it's pretty cool. Yeah, excellent. And uh, renowned international coffee judge, founder of Full Court Press Cafe yeah. and Roastering. Yeah. And um, had an amazing run at Cup Tasters, which you then abandoned before the semi finals. Well, you know, I like to, um, uh, uh, the best people should go out on top, is what yeah. I'm trying to say. Like when you've peaked, n- know when you've peaked, and four out of four in 122, it wasn't going to get better than that. Plus, well, imagine it, that. It's, <laughs> it's a cold morning like... in Glasgow and you turn up to the <laughs> cup tasters at the Glasgow Coffee Festival. Matt North's on first and he just blows everyone out of the water. Why bother I, trying? I forgot. that I, I, I was talking about this with uh, one of uh, the guys at FCP who's competing. And I forgot that that was literally the first round of the whole event. Yeah, that was, the, that was the first first event, first table, and I'm just like, yeah, it's all right, done it now, bye. <laughs> and then I had and then the final the final with my uh, first to Colombia with raw materials. So I'm like, yeah, I've got to do the AGM and stuff, which is a a shame, but also kind of cool. Yeah, pretty cool, I'd say so. <laughs> I'm out. Drop, drop the spoon. <laughs> See you later, guys. <laughs> So I posted on Instagram last night that we were doing this and millions, yeah. not millions, lots of people sent loads of uh, questions for you. Okay. Um, none, none are really spicy, but like I think we've got a, a good chunk of things to find out um, cool. about you and about competition. Cool. Let's just see where this goes then. Yeah. I mean, let's get warmed up. What coffee are you drinking at home at the moment? At home, I currently have a Timor Leste. Uh, Rhyme routine washed from Redemption. Um, it's one of the coffees that was sent back to me by one of our customers to just just try basically in the home. It's nice to get gifts like that from people. Yeah, nice. Okay, 
how did you get into judging coffee competitions? Uh, via being involved in competitions. So I, I actually volunteered and ran the competitions first. I've been around since what 20, 2007 probably in adjunct to competition because I worked for a sponsor then Beyond the Beam. I was helping at local heats and being around that and then started running it and being involved in like the the committee as is in 2000 and say hello Chris hi Chris um <laughs> hey Chris in 2015 and that gave me a really insight into being involved in the judging room I thought well as I'm going to be involved running the events I ought to know about judging and I got myself familiar with the rules learned pretty quickly on the fly how judging teams ran uh, how um uh, deliberations went so that when it came to my time like okay i'm no longer full-time involved in running competitions i can get back into judging and i've done a little bit of judging whilst doing the competition so i'm running the players you can't really do both it's too tricky like they're both yeah jobs. um then really got into judging full-time pretty much from there excellent yeah because i remember i think it was 2017 was my mm -hmm. first competition and you were national coordinator then yeah that was the year we that Dale won and we did the finals in Bristol. Oh no, I tell a lie. Nope. Then I, it was 2018 when I when I competed because I think um, yeah. was it Josh Tarlow won that year. Yes, he did. Yeah, yeah, nice. So I've got um, a quote somebody sent uh, to me about you. Oh. Um, <laughs> His focus and attention when judging is scary good. It almost unnerved me a bit when I competed. Oh, harsh. I mean, I, I, I kind of think I take that as a compliment. Yeah, well, you said scary good. Because you've got to, like, and this is, like, I think we're going to get fairly deep on this thing quite quickly, I think. Um, there's a lot of time and effort that goes into these routines. Yeah, definitely. You know, like, you know yourself, the amount of time and effort and work that is put in, and you have to repay that. If you're turning up and judging and you're not focusing, you're not paying attention, you're not doing your best to do do the job that you're volunteering to do, but to the best of your ability, then why are you why are you there? So yeah, I um I try and focus as hard as I can on what I need to do. That sometimes leaves me with a grumpy focusing face, which yeah. is which you're gonna get caught on camera. I try and smile as much as possible, but you're gonna get caught on camera with like an intense laser stare where you're watching something, but you don't yeah. want to miss it. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. Tech barista is always the one for that. When you're watching where the cups go, uh huh. That's like this game of three card Monty in your head. You're watching it go around, and your brain is trying to focus. You're intensely watching, and it just becomes a bit. Everything shuts off, and you become super focused on it. So. Excellent. Well, I suppose like tying into that a little bit, do you have any tips for baristas specifically in the barista competition, how to make judging them easier? Like, have uh, you got any sort of tips for that? I think, yeah, yeah. as always, I think what I saw this on one of, that was Capo who put this as one of the, um, uh, the questions was like RTR, which is like the, the rules are there to help, um, you understand them as you're well laying out in your in your blog posts things like the technical um, uh, points you can look at that and you can help judges out and make their lives easier by doing very simple things like we always enjoy when somebody lays out a really nice table so we can see everything quite clearly 
when they show us the um, porter filters. These sort of things are really helpful. So the, generally, all the keys you need to help a judge are in the rules, because that will then lead you to a good understanding of where points are going to be scored. Great. So in terms of thinking about points being scored, if you could remove or add anything to the score sheet, what would it be? If I could remove or add anything to the score sheet in Barista? Yes. In Barista. Um, I'd probably remove Crema. Yeah. I know it's a point. I know it's a point. Um, but I don't believe personally it adds anything to the drink. I think it's one of the final holdovers from when the competition was more traditional espresso based. And yeah. you can certainly have copies that are of, of varying profiles or lengths uh, of shot that are better with less crema. It would also possibly open up the ability to have different cups for service for espresso that don't necessarily hold on to a crema, which I think would be sensorially interesting. Um, so yeah. I'd, remove, I'd remove that rule. If I could add a rule, um, I think I'd want to see the presentation and the impact rules tweaks like to take more more account of the concept. Because a lot of people do spend a lot of time putting a concept together for a routine. And you don't there isn't really anywhere to judge that. You know, yeah. it just comes under general impression. Um there's nothing in it, there's a, and this is a definitely a subjective thing to judge, but then most of judging is there's no really way to judge the performance. And that would, as I saw in a Trent Rollings um, uh, blog post the other day, which if yeah. you haven't checked out, go read that. Um, there is this disconnect between what people see and the scores that are given. So we don't really have a performance score per se. And that would yeah. be great if when you watch a great performance, you know it's a great performance. And the the metrics for assessing that that we're given as judges in overall performance and everything are maybe a bit out of date. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Like we're looking for we're looking for an ambassador for specialty coffee. And like A, what does that mean? And B, isn't everyone who's competing gonna be in a you know, it's that sort of thing. Yeah, I feel almost feel like the rules need a bit of um a glossary at the end like the definition of an ambassador the definition of certain words in the eyes of uh yeah i know yeah. you know what that's that's a great idea especially when you come and look at things in uh, say sig drink uh synergy and creativity like we have definite ideas of how those are approached but that should be as part of a communicative tool for the competitors to understand what the judges need it's like like a rule book there is no rule book accessible for either judges and or think there are a set of rules but it's very different like it's not there's no glossary like you said to really lean into this this communication yeah so i um i was going to bring up the uh trent rollings uh blog a bit later Let's do on, it. Carry on. But since, since you brought it up i mean i don't really have a sort of uh pointed question about it i was just going to say do you have anything in particular you'd like to say in relation to the recent posts by you know, coach uh, Federico Bolanos and judge Trent Rollings. Do you have any sort of I, takes on what you read? Yeah, it's it's deep. Like it's very difficult 
to comment on the frustration of a uh, competitor or a coach in the aftermath because no one's happy. Yeah. I I often say to the, 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 the judging teams I'm with that we're in the business of disappointing a lot of people. Ostensibly, we're going to make one person happy and everyone else <laughs> is going to be is going to be disappointed. And you have to understand that when you go into judging. You have to understand that as much as you're there to uh, to award and discover a winner, you're also there to disappoint a whole lot of people because your scores are going to do that. And you have to be able to live with that. Yeah. So it's very difficult, especially in the aftermath, to take this because people need a, a space to vent. What I find difficult, and why I shared both posts, um, and I think there's a lot of people who have comment on, on all these posts, is that, and this might come into an overall topic of communication, there's not really much in the way of communication between the judging fraternity and the competitive fraternity, I think I've frozen, um, is that it's not supposed to be a judgment of the coffee. So the comments that it's impossible for a coffee this good to be average. Yeah. Are understandable. The frustration is understandable. But it's also, to some degree, a misinterpretation of what we're trying to do. We're trying to judge the skill of that person brewing it. So it's very possible to take a very good coffee and make it very badly. So the scale isn't, it's a two for all coffee ever. It's in the concept of that yeah. competition where the best coffees in the world are bringing bought. This coffee was judged to have been made to this level. Yes. And that's it. That's the only context and box you can see it in. You can't see it really in any other box. I'm just going to turn my camera off and back on to see if I can get it to turn back on again. Yeah. Um, so I, I understand these frustrations. I understand where they're coming from. I really liked Trent's post in how he approached that, how he was very open about the problems with it. I think it's very possible to love something and to be involved in something and still think it has value, but also critique it. Yeah. And so like these, these critiques from the competitors are very valid. These critiques from the judges are very valid. Um, and the fact that we now have a some sort of communication going on between the two is a benefit i think yeah definitely it's opening not... up that conversation is always good yeah yeah and i and it should also be said that it's not a disrespect from the judges it's not a disrespect of the competitors it's not a dis disrespect of the producers it's not a disrespect of the coffee if the score seems low it's not we're asked to do a job and we have to assess these things as best as we can, trying, hopefully, and I, we all hear about situations where this isn't the case, where without bias, without um, too much sub subjectivity, uh, with an open, open mind, and as calibrated as we, as we possibly can be. Where this breaks down is there is a, I feel we're going to segue into a question we're going to come to later on, there's a, there is a distinct time lag between the understanding of what the judges might be looking for 
and then the imp implication of that by competitors. Competitors can only react in the aftermath. Like you've probably yeah. already already had ideas about what you want to change for next year if you're competing again. The great problem is by the time you come out to compete again, what we're being told to look for and how we assess things as judges may well have already changed. Yeah. And it's not like it's not like you're we're operating in bad faith. It's just a quirk of the system. And that's one thing Trent was getting at is that that system to communicate that and get the what judges are looking for out ahead of time, ahead of the next cycle rather than during a, a judging a, a competition cycle um, isn't there and needs to be there. And it is yeah. it is a, it is an issue and it is. It is somewhat disrespectful from the organizing body that they haven't got this in place. And I say yeah, that as someone I mean, who's, who's been involved in on, on a local level and kind of understands what's going to some degree what's going yeah. on. It's tricky, isn't it? Because um, it's a, a huge event, mostly run by unpaid volunteers, and there's mm -hmm. a lot of moving parts to align. Yep. And yep. yeah, it's it's not simple. No, and this comes back to the, I get asked constantly, now I've been involved in competitions, about why is an alt mix on there? And you're like, you have to understand that these things can't change like that. It's not like a sport. Where at the beginning of the season you can tell the you can tell all the coaches and all the clubs this is what's going to happen on how we're going to assess the rules this year and then you have professional referees and you tell the referees what to do and then but then they do it it's their job it's not like that we to do that wholesale would basically be me rewriting the whole competition so if, you, if people have been paying attention to the milk beverage rules they've been changing bit by bit by bit by bit by bit by bit, by bit to get to the point where we can just go oh bam milks but when you get there you're going to have to come up with a way of calibrating every judge on the planet <laughs> yes how yeah. many of different kinds of uh, milks what does what does a harmonious and balance of milk and uh, coffee and the sweetness of the milk mean for oat for almond for pea for hemp god forbid we get hemp um <laughs> you know <laughs> for all these other alternatives that we're going to come in and how many of them are going to be legal? How are we going to have sponsors where you have to use a sponsored one? How is that going to work? It's a myriad of difficult questions. So it's not as easy mm -hmm. as, yeah, just do all milks, it'll be fine. It's not. Yeah, I should probably uh, provide a little bit of context to the previous conversation. If people um, weren't aware uh, about the post by um, Federico Bolanos, uh, he had posted saying, um you know train for months and months bring the best coffee in the world hire expensive coaches and come on the world stage and score a two on their espresso it's just not possible and then there was um essentially a well-written retort to that by a judge who'd served this year and a few years previously so just a bit of context for anyone who didn't know on earth we were talking about yeah I and mean, one one lens that that through is at this this level it basically becomes a sport and how in every sport on in every country on the planet people spend an awful lot of money and fail so it's, it's always going to be the way unfortunately
Yeah. Yeah, it's just it the is, nature yeah. of the beast. So um, I had a question from one of our viewers. Um, is it damaging? Yeah, do you think it's damaging that um, competitors keep calling foul? So for example, um, Sasha Sestich at the uh, Australian Brewers' Cup and his rant about um, how the judges essentially didn't understand his brewer, how they didn't understand the rules, mm -hmm. or for example, mm -hmm. uh, Patrick Rolfe saying he didn't win the Barista Championship because he didn't take a trendy coffee. Do you think those sort of statements are damaging? Do you think they're useful? Do you have any thoughts about those? I, I... I think they fall under the same category as uh, Federico. They um, they are frustrated yeah. comments in the moment in a, a society that is attuned now to instant feedback and places to give instant opinion. Yeah, and I think that there's no there's no other way to take it. Ah, uh, you know. Do I agree with each of them? No, I don't agree with them. I have heard enough about what went on at uh, the Askers from various sources to know that it potentially wasn't handled very well on either side. Um, yeah. I do have issues with saying that you deliberately took a coffee you didn't know was going to win to make a statement. And yeah. if Patrick... Patrick obviously wanted to win. He, he went there wanting to win and took a coffee he thought could win. Because if you go in there deliberately setting yourself up to fail to make a statement, then let someone else win. Because you're not, you're, you're not competing in good faith there. You're not competing with the goal to win. You're trying to make a statement. And that's fine. But it's, it's, you're not competing in good faith. And you're denying somebody who may well have done anything they can to win. A chance to win yeah because then we get on to the world of um yeah a, a dangerous world of uh uh what coffees are allowed to compete the elitism around that uh the gatekeeping of what is right or what is wrong issues of purity how do we even know what a washed coffee is these days you know where did where, where does the line start and stop with that yeah I, i'm gonna segue we'll, we'll get back to it one of my yeah. favorite things about this is the how quickly things change. Like Sasser and CM, nobody knew what CM is. No one really still knows what carbonic maceration is truly. How what you know, it's it's become a trademark. So it then becomes disingenuous to complain about other roast uh, other producers who are not telling you what's going on in their coffee. It's, it's a trademark. It's a proprietary process. And you can think of a myriad of different products that we happily buy. Happily buy. Yeah. And we have no idea what the actual recipe is. Coca-Cola, legendary, legendarily Coca-Cola recipe is locked in a vault in Atlanta or something. Three people know it. The, I think the post mix is made in two different plants. So one plant can't know the full recipe then to another plant to mix the two parts of that mix together to make a second post mix then that's sent to the bottling plant so like to protect the propriety recipe that is a trade secret 
but why is this an issue when it comes to coffee? Especially if it's about judging the best barista in some ways, you know? I don't know, it's a strange one, but we have digressed and we're back. Oh no, I've lost Will. Oh, he's back. Oh, hello. I think, um, yeah, might have been internet cutting out on my end there. <laughs> it happens. Can you, you get all of that? Can you hear me? I can hear you, yeah. No, I got you um, right at the part where the two post-mix products uh, met. Ah, okay, yeah. So, yeah, so this is obviously Coke. You make, they make two post-mix syrups. That, as far as I know, they then send it to another plant where they mix them together to make the actual post-mix. That then goes off to the bottling plant to be combined with water. Carbonation forms thick. So, and we have KFC, 11 secret spices, yada, yada, yada. So we have these proprietary secret recipes that are, they're, they're marketing points. And we're yeah. fine with this in so many other avenues of our purchasing life. Um, PG tips, God knows what goes in PG tips. Yorkshire tea, I don't know what goes in Yorkshire tea. I just trust it, you know? Yet we come to have issues with this when it comes to coffee for some reason. And I don't get it. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. We started off down that adventure back in the day with oh. um, blends with mystery ingredients, right? Nobody knew what was in the espresso blend. Yeah. And then... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. For years, that it's was a fine. a recipe for our espresso blend. Exactly. So it's a bit... Yeah, I find it a bit disingenuous when people start complaining about that to some degree. But we've digressed. Yeah. Great. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we could talk about some less heavy, like slightly lighter stuff now, if you like. Yeah, let's 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 mix a few in. Let's keep it going. Yeah. Um, let's see. How do you think competitions are beneficial to the industry? Um, they are one of the only true mixing pots now for a lot of countries. If you think about. Those times of competition, how many people interact with each other and they help each other. When you're at a competition, yes, you're competing, but it's a big room of people who are there to learn from each other. Um, like even down to latte art throwdowns, which is essentially a competition. They're the times the people that the people in our community come together. You know, especially at a, at a yeah. Bristol level. You know, and they happen at trade shows. So people are there it's a time for that networking to happen in person um and i think they're crucial for that and then for the people who are involved in uh competing then it's it's learning you're becoming better at your craft you're having to learn more about coffee and the, the world of coffee to compete and if you're judging it's a real eye-opener you, you cannot just focus then on oh i like this one you have yeah. to start to look at coffee in a different way. It's working together as a team. It's um, understanding to work under pressure and really taking that information under pressure. So ev ev I think everyone who's involved in competition is learning in some way and sharing that knowledge in some way. And that's, it's quite rare in our industry at the moment as we're maturing. Yeah. Have you got any advice that you'd give to first-time competitors or people that are on the fence about competing? Do you think, like, the social aspect of it is a huge benefit? 
I think it is. I think it is. I think the there are competitions you can enter that will not cost you an awful lot of money. Um, you should certainly enter a competition without wanting to win it first time, unless you have the resources just to, to, to devote all of your time to it, because it's an incredibly resource intensive um, proposition. Um, but yeah, you're going to learn a ton. You're going to learn an enormous amount just by just by the training, just by the practice. Like the guy Lawrence who's doing the cup tasters. I, he's learning an enormous amount just by tasting more and more coffees that he would not have done normally. He wouldn't have been going through this. So he's accelerating his sensory ability in such a short space yeah. of time in that training. So yeah, just do it, do it for that, if nothing else. And it's the same if you want to come judge. Do the same thing. You come, you're going to taste a lot of coffee. You're going to understand different ways of thinking and assessing coffee and the nomenclature that is used for it. And it's going to be a massive help in your career going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Like I did uh, judges calibration, I think it was two or three years ago now. Mm. And I very quickly learned that my sensory skills were not what I thought they were. And even like just going to that made me suddenly realize what I needed to work on, how to work on it. Yeah. And, you know, it's definitely, if you're thinking about judging, you should definitely sign up to do the calibration. Yeah, definitely. 100%. It's, re it's super useful. Uh, do you have a memorable routine that you love? Like, have you got a, um, a favorite, whether it be barista or brewers or both, if you want to do? Um, it doesn't have to be your favorite ever. Uh, Dale's winning routine. No, Dale's winning routine from the UK. Uh, I will always have a soft spot for because um, I've known him for so many years and to see him, uh, to see him finally break through was wonderful um estelle's routine with the uh air hostess and the trolley that she made and the like the airline themed one i thought was really interesting and innovative and fun to watch um yeah i love sierra's um routine from the brewers cup this year especially the final presentation i thought was fantastic um and then trying to think of other routines i've i've seen recently i loved rama's routine from the brewers cup this year in denmark that was really enjoyable to watch and just be a part of um yeah that's it's they all after trade secret after a while <laughs> you forget them <laughs> <laughs> you just yeah fair enough. people say how, like, how was my routine and you're like i've seen 14 today I've seen 14 today. Uh, yeah, you're really good. Ask me in two days time and I will probably have already made space in my head for the next ones I'm going to do. Yeah, that's why this is why no, this is why we, we, we yeah. practice on making really good notes on the sheet because you're going to need to have something to jog your memory or remind you because you see so many routines, so many. Uh, it's really difficult yeah. to, remember, to remember them all. Yeah, so with them being difficult, um, as a judge, is there any like specific moments in any routine that like really sort of you weren't expecting that you really enjoyed that surprised you? Like, I think we've all seen somebody whip out a bit of dry ice and, you know, whatever. And yeah. That's not yeah. so much of a surprise anymore. No, and it, no, it comes in the lit. I think now it comes in the little things. Um, 
judging Rasmus in Denmark when he said his coffee was grown in Copenhagen. That was literally that was literally like a what? <laughs> that was literally a what what what? That was that was that was a fun little moment. Um, seeing your seeing your little drink splitter, the little innovations like that, you're like, oh cool, yeah. Um, and I think over the years they've been harder and harder to find because so much has already been done. Yeah, now, I think when when everyone first saw the uh, the OCD as it was, they were like, what the hell is that? Uh, when they first saw the EK43 being used, you're like, nah, what's this? So like, there's these little innovations as they come along, and now these things are almost commonplace. Um, I think it's really difficult. Ben put when he used a backpack machine. Mental. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, all right, what's, what's this doing here? Um, there's, oh, there's, there's loads of little moments like that. Um, I think, who, who did I see once had a, made a tartan on stage and I'm like, what's this about? <laughs> uh, one, of the, one of the judges I, uh, I, I'm with in Europe quite, re quite regularly, he tells a story about the time that they got served um, a cig drink that was actually salmon with an espresso balsamic drizzle. No. <laughs> like, yeah, yes, <laughs> well done. It's like, brilliant, I love it. <laughs> Unreal. Oh, and um, somebody brought uh, somebody in. Somebody in Vienna brought a string, uh, a string trio as the music. Wow, is is I'm that like, allowed? Yes. Does that does does that not count as furniture? Do you not get a DQ for that? No, I think they, it was bringing your own music. They weren't on stage; <laughs> they were just playing. It was so it was like, all right, fair, loving it, killing it, go for Amazing. it. <laughs> Uh, do you have anything you're optimistic about for the future in competitions? The side tells you no. Okay. I am genuinely, I am genuinely worried about the future of competition, especially in Europe. I know of so many countries where turnout is incredibly low where in some countries you genuinely worry that when the national coordinator stops doing it will will the chapter run yeah many countries in eastern europe just don't have a chapter because nobody's picked it up um and i see that happening in a lot of countries and she like oh yeah we are i think in the uk an outlier in the amount of people that apply um yeah but what's forgotten is how much work that took and it's a generational thing like they, like at some point the people who are competing now will stop competing and if, you, if it's not available for people to and accessible people to, to join in the numbers will dwindle we won't fill out things within five minutes you have to yeah. think yeah like you have to shepherd this thing like the days of well like the first time i did i did cup tasters they were literally pulling people off the floor at the show come and compete come and compete i know of multiple places around europe where they barely make the six you need and in some cases they don't and then the, the people have signed up and dropped out so you're having finals with four or three or four people you know wow. um and that worries me. That does worry me. I'm optimistic that 
there will be some changes to the rules at all that will um and changes to this communication app that will make it a lot easier for, a little easier for both competitors and judges but i'm not optimistic about the future really i think changes to the structure of the commission do need to happen to make it viable long term yeah wow well i I was going to ask you a different question after that, but I feel like we've gone down like a bit of a somber route and it's feeling quite sad and I don't want to um, just jump on the sad wagon. So may but maybe no, I'll ask you like. Well, I mean, let's I, ask me whatever you want. Keep up, keep on with it. I mean, it's, I'm just trying to be realistic here. I'm just trying to be oh, realistic. No, no. Is, That's what I, I want from I, you. So. Yeah, I remember I, we used to have two people for cup, for cup tasters, no, I've two people from um, SIGs over here and now it fills. You know, we're in a we're blessed that we could fill out competitions fast, but that is not guaranteed. It's not. Yeah. And the, uh, the competition structure isn't isn't helping people to get involved. Yeah, like even in uh, New Zealand, for example, I think in the New Zealand Barista Championships this year, there were like six to eight competitors in the whole competition. And this is one of the this is one of the countries that is seen as one of the, the, the like the, the og of specialty coffee it's like yeah how, like, basically the british specialty coffee scene is born from kiwis and aussies like we look to them as like that's what we were trying to emulate and they're getting that many people it's 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 an issue it's a problem yeah do you uh it might be a bit of a deep one and feel free to pass no. on this question do you think <laughs> there's a is there a silver bullet to solve this issue There has to be a recognition from the WC and the SCA that the current system for running competitions is not viable long term. Yeah. The, the WCE is a run on volunteer. Um, thing. No judge I know gets paid. Everyone's giving their time. Everyone who runs those events give, gives their time. The The SCA chapters are events companies. That's all they are. You, there is ostensibly other things that you're supposed to do, but really your events companies, your role is to run the events. And if you have the time to do any community engagement outside of that, more power to you. Like, go for it. Because three and a half years of me running it destroyed me. I had to do a thing I never thought I'd do, and I walked away. Yeah. For the, for the, for the, for my health, my sanity, and my health, I had to go. I cannot do this anymore. It is extracting too much, and it trades on what I kind of I like to call emotional profit. So you, you do it. You judge. You are involved in running these competitions because you are doing good. It's for the good of the community. You know, you're helping competitors like you. And you're doing it because you want to be part of that and help. There's no, there's no real benefit in saying you're a SCA judge. It's not going to help you get a yeah. job. Nothing. Um, you know. So you're doing it for the good of it, really. And there might be a case of the business you can do when you're there, but that's speculative networking. And it trades on that profit. You're taking a profit emotion out of it. But that you're also doing emotional work all the time. 
there's a debit going on for all you're taking profit you're, you're giving them you're you're always doing work the danger is that we don't notice and i certainly didn't when we go into the red yeah commonly commonly called burnout um and unless that changes unless there's some way of making these chapters run in uh, a way that does not destroy people we will see chapters blink out like like lights across the map one by one yeah because no one's going to want to pick them up because they'll see the people that have done them before and what happened to them and go yeah this is not me. i i don't i don't want that and it's tricky yeah. it's super tricky and it starts at it has to come from the top it has to come from the SEN and wce understanding that there has to be some sort of investment and we're not saying make all judges professional we're not saying everyone has to be thinking but there has to be some has to be somebody who is basically paid to run it or maybe paid to on the judging side be that port of call for the arbiter of training and calibration and yeah. some recompense for the people who then disperse that across the judging pool there has to be a way of recompensing the uh chapter bodies for their time yeah because they're doing it outside their jobs and they're luckily there a lot of these people their jobs are willing to give them the time to do it um there also maybe has to be a recognition amongst the chapters that you don't need to spend that much money on av you don't have to there's a lot of money that that doesn't have to be spent um but we spend it because we feel like we have to like i, I think we've all seen pictures of the worlds where there's half empty stands yeah does we you don't need that you don't need it skate like people the legit who's gonna who's gonna put in to apply to host the host the worlds when you have to spend that much money to do it and you have to spend it because it's a it's a bidding process right you know it needs to travel it needs to go more places scale down what it needs to be because people are watching it online they're not going to the thing you know yeah so yeah there needs to be a review of how it runs it's not adapted to not even the post-covid but the pre-covid environment of where we were in terms of how people were viewing these events and what needs to happen so yeah real talk yeah real talk and like from a competitor side yeah uh, is money a barrier to success for oh, competitors yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you if you win and not spend a lot uh, not spend a lot of money you are a cinderella you are the aberration you are the one that the system tries to weed out and you should be celebrated for making it because my god that's a that's a triumph over all the odds you know yeah that you you only have to look at the his the the historical finalists and semi-finalists in the world just go back and look not it's not it's not even like even look at this year for god's sake just look at every look at it over every year yeah the ones that don't, that don't have all the money and all the resources and that make it there are rare yeah the sport money and resources count yeah not everyone can be for sure not everyone can be left to city my home team um <laughs> You know, and strike lightning in a bottle. Not everyone can do that. You have, yeah, it's time, it's effort, it's money, it's resources, and I think it's a massive 
barrier to getting involved in competition. And I think that also starts at the cost to enter level. Right. It starts yeah, there. So in, in the UK, most, uh, most of the competitions are £100 to enter. Sometimes you get yeah. £50 rebate if you're an SCA member. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like I, SEA membership uh, should be uh, to some degree a prerequisite because I, if I remember rightly, it links them because you have to have events insurance to run these things properly, really. Um, and so your membership ties you into that insurance so everything's covered. So that's it's a legal thing. Yeah, interesting. But um, yeah, you have to have, you have, to have um, uh, liability insurance, just like running a shop because you're doing events. Yeah. When you run an event, you have, a, you have event liability insurance. And if not, then it's usually with the person who is hosting the event. So they all, but there has to be a legal chain and a link there. Yeah. Otherwise it gets a bit messy dealing with electricity and hot water and flames and chemicals and stuff, which we are on stage. Yeah. Um, but yes, but, that by, but, but likewise, there should also be a way just to enter for people who can't afford to enter. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But that takes time. And that's the flip side of it. Like yes. doing regionals, doing regionals takes time. And that's time you might not be able to give. Yeah, for sure. So final listener question. Ooh, and and uh we're sort of we're calming down a bit now. What's All your right. guilty pleasure? Not related to uh coffee and competitions, just a bit about you. What's your guilty pleasure? Uh, don't have any guilty pleasures, but it's pleasures, isn't it? <laughs> um, I don't know. Just really like riding my bike and reading books and watching rubbish TV. Yeah, living the good life. Yeah, trying to get out. I, I think if there's a, I, I do always look forward to Bake Off season. I don't know why. Um, <laughs> I really like Blown Away as well on Netflix because competitive glass bowing is a wild, wild thing. Um, <laughs> I, I, maybe, maybe, and it's topical. I like watching watching Rings of Power at the moment. I read the books every year. I read Silmarillion, Children of Huron, and Lord of the Rings every year. I've always had a affinity for that sort of like escapism into a into another fantasy world and reading about yeah. it. So it's just a pleasure rather than a guilty one. Excellent. And finally, what's what's next for you, Matt? What's going on? What have you got coming up? Anything you're excited about? Uh, travel bit kicks off again pretty soon. Uh, I'm off on Wednesday to Germany to Frankfurt Coffee Fest to do uh, Brist Champs and the Latte Art. Yes, that's right. The season has already started. This, wow. is, one of the this is one of the crazy problems with judging. It never, ever, ever stops. So if they were yeah. going to change anything for how the 2023 competition is going to be assessed it's too late because they're already starting yeah <laughs> um then i'm back for a couple of weeks i'm moving into a new lab a uh, new space for raw material which is great I say lab. it's a fan it's a fancy word for a single room does it have uh... oh oh mate i lost you oh no <laughs> Oh, he's left the meeting. So Will has gone. So it's me. Hi. Welcome to the Matt North Show. Uh, 
Oh, sorry. I was just talking about you. Oh, were you? <laughs> no. Um, uh, where were we? Um, you're going to Germany. To uh, yes, to Germany. Uh, and yeah. then get back, move the lab, um, go to Salzburg for the Austrian Championships. Uh, and then I'm back for a week. And then I'm off to Colombia for sort of the what, it, what should have been the yearly trip to our um, facilities over in Colombia, but it's been put on hold for a couple of years. Yeah. Wow, packed diary. Yeah, it's very, very busy. And I, I, of all these questions that you've asked, are they from listeners or are they from you? So um, I'd say it's about 50-50. So okay. I wrote sort of a, a list of very generic questions. Cool. And then uh, opened it up and got quite quite a lot of responses. Good. So do you have anything? Do you have anything? I know we're probably pushed for time, but we can edit. It's fine. Yeah. Do you have anything specific left that you want to cover or pick brains on for yourself or from any of the, any of them from the list? Could we have this um, opportunity? Let's. We may as well do it. Yeah, I think we covered like everything I wanted to ask you. Um, there was only one question that I skipped over, which was how has the competition changed your life slash career? I feel like we touched on it a little bit in different parts. Yeah, I think we did. Yeah, definitely. It has. It's it's I've met an enormous amount of people that I would never have interacted with in the industry. And learned an enormous amount from traveling around Europe, judging like really seeing the different. How homo how homogeneous it is as well. So, so yeah. many what we see of as specialty coffee in, in is very homogeneous across Europe, really. That you go into lots of places and you'll see, oh, that could be anywhere. That could be anywhere. That could be. Yeah. But also um, just how different it can be in places as well. And just how much the, each individual country has still has its own sort of coffee culture. And you get to see a mm -hmm. little bit of that when you, when you go to space. So it's definitely changed my life in that way. It's, it's given me a broader picture of the coffee industry on the on the, the brand side of it really on the on the drinking and consuming side yeah great like that covers everything that i had written down to talk about nice. and nothing else has popped up was there anything you wanted to say that didn't get brought up or anything else no i mean i think i think we, we covered all the all the major topics i think they're important i think people will probably ask how do you get better like the problem with asking a judge for advice is that we can't coach <laughs> yeah and if because if we coach we end up uh disqualifying ourselves technically from judging that competition yeah uh, there's significant gray area where you can just give things that are on the edge of coaching and most judges would be quite good at catching themselves to do it um it's why we have the sort of the jokey an acronym of rtfr which is read the rules because on the whole that's what we use as our bible for judging too yeah that? so that's what you should use as a competitor for your bible for how to win points and what to do because the vast majority of the um, um answers you're looking for are in there it just takes yeah. time to un to understand them understanding the rules makes you better at, at being a judge and a competitor but no i think most of it's being covered it's got it's got issues hasn't yeah. it it's got yeah, issues. it's you know, it's it's not simple. It's not black no. and white. No, and I hope that you've got a little bit of an insight to how 
the things that we think about as judges, like we do go, we do genuinely, like, I've DQ'd people. I hate it. Yeah. I, some of my best friends I DQ'd. I hate it. And if anyone gets DQ'd, they should know, or even has a zero for anything, they should know that there is a part of you dies inside as a judge when you see that happen. Because you know you're going to have to do that. When you yeah. see an underpouring brewers, when you see something that shouldn't be done, when you see someone get handed something as a coach, um, thing, when you see, um, you know, somebody use the three electrical devices when you see this something so clear in the rule and you're attuned to it because you're that's what you're doing you watch it and you just see it and you kind of just go and you have to wear a, a poker you have to wear a poker face and know yeah. the minute that you get off you just clock eyes with another judge or with the rep and they've seen it and they know you've seen it so everyone's all communicating and you walk off and you try and the minute you're not you're not around people who can see like public or anyone like the hand of clothes or you're like god and it's just a sense of i'm gonna i know what i've got to do and like yeah. it sucks you know like the let the picture the picture that does the rounds of me with the bottle of uh with the glass of water in the northern yeah. in the northern heat that was a tainted water jug because ah. you're not allowed to you're not allowed to flavor the water when you serve it in Bristol. there has to be plain water judges are tasting water and they're going this is flavored what's going on so oh. like the correct thing to do there being involved and that was on the judging panel like right this is going to be a probably a dq but we have to find out why we cannot yes. just we cannot just do it. Like, what happens here? Because if you don't find out why, you just, I think this ties into the assassin thing a little bit. If you don't find out why, you just go, blah, blah, blah. no, then you're, you're doing a disservice. You're not doing your due diligence in judging. Yeah. And it turns out, and we've had it before in Bruce Kirk, turns out I tasted the water, he had the cans of water, he's like, well, that's fine. So what's, what's weird? The water's, you've served unflavored water, so I don't see what the problem is grab the Chemex and he's they've used a fragranced washing up liquid. <laughs> so yeah. you can smell it in there, you're like, well, that's your problem. It's picked up the detergent from the inside of the thing and then it's yeah. flavored the water. But that led to a picture which became a meme and <laughs> it led to, and that's all from the determination to understand why we're going to have to do this thing that we don't want to do. Yeah. Like Stein's where I go, bless, when he, Aaron brought that A board out, the minute that hit the stage, even before in setup, I was like, and going to find the rules, finding the rule, understanding what yeah. we have to do, waiting to see if he got taken off. Because if he takes it off stage, then before he starts, then it's okay. Like, yeah. Oh he, oh, he left it on. Okay, let's enjoy, let's enjoy the presentation, give it the marks it deserves. Yeah. And then we'll assess it so yeah i think is that's maybe that's maybe that's the thing i want to leave with that we didn't say it's like like nobody wants to give bad scores everyone wants to reward the presentation and the coffee that we see for as good as it can be possibly it possibly be. yeah everyone wants to do that we want to find fives and sixes we want to have 
great copy serve to us and be willing to give those high marks. Yeah, Nobody sure. wants to give ones and twos. Nobody wants to DQ people or give zeros without thought or without really understanding the weight of it. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. If people don't break the rules, then I don't have to give the accuse. Just saying. Yeah, no, big big take-home note for any any future competitors listening. Just don't break the rules. Don't make me DQ you. I don't like it. I really don't like it. I don't want, I don't want to have to keep doing it. I have to do it really on the regular. It's disappointing. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, thank you so much for taking all Pleasure, this time mate. to chat with me. It's all good, It's bro. been great. Pleasure. Have a good one. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing all your other guests and what this podcast becomes. Excellent. I'll catch you soon. Good, dude. Take care. Bye. Bye. Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Hello Judges. Some great chat with Matt North covering a lot of ground from the judges' side of the table. And next week, my guest is Paul Ross from Special Guests Coffee. Make sure you hit subscribe to stay up to date with new episodes. Follow us on at Taylor's Discovery on Instagram, Taylor's Discovery on YouTube, and Hello Judges podcast on all of the usual podcast platforms. It's been an absolute pleasure to share this podcast with you today. Thank you. Time.